This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. Or your paper Bible, praise God. And we're going to be in John chapter 14 verse 1 through 7, and uh, we have already talked about the I am's of God, and we're going to conclude with the final I am this morning that Jesus shared, and as I was preparing for this message, I said I got to reshare this story again, um, something that I shared earlier, I guess it was last year, I want to say, and um, last summer when I was traveling, I was up in Manhattan, and uh, had prepared to work with three other uh, folks that were facilitating leadership for a, a beverage company that was in the trade center. And um, so we would saw before we went, you know, you got to make sure you have your ID and all that stuff or else you ain't going to be able to get in, right? So I'm on my way up to New York and everything is going wonderful. <laughs> and then I get a phone call that distracted me. And um, it was Pastor Mona. You know, you got to blame somebody else for your troubles. And so she asked me for a picture of my license. So I'm, I'm outside. I think it was LaGuardia Airport. I'm outside waiting for the Uber to pick me up. So I put my little license right on top of the little stand that blocks the cars from coming on the sidewalk, the little circle of things. And I take a picture of it. And here's the Uber driver looking at me. Is that, oh, yes. Yeah. So I grab my bag and leave my license there, but don't know it. So I rush over to the hotel, you know, and then all the other three people that I'm meeting up with, we were gonna meet in the lobby of the hotel. Well, I'm down there checking in. They hold, you know, the line is long, whatever. I'm finally checking in, and a lady says to me, "All right, I just need your license, your ID." I'm going. I'm like, "My license? I left it at the airport." Listen, you can just kiss that goodbye in New York. There's no sense in trying to give. You never get back in time for the traffic, and by the time you blink, it was gone anyway. So I said, "Ooh, mm. I said that's not good." But I knew they could work something out at the hotel because I took the picture of the license. So I said, well, here, can you use this? And I said, well, we were, yeah, we'll use your, your copy that you took. I said, okay, great. So then we get ready to go down. The team comes, we're all in the same hotel. They come downstairs, and we all meet each other for the first time. I'm like, uh, we got a problem. They said, what? I said, I don't have any ID to get into the trade center. And they said, I'm sure it's something to work out. I said, mm, they got more faith than I got right now, but I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> so we go over to the trade center, and um, we go to the front security desk to check in. They were supposed to have our names down there, and they all give them their names, and I have my little picture on my phone. I'm like, here's my license right here. I know I'm really pushing it. They said, here's my license right here. They said, I know we need your physical license. I said, well, what happened was I had it, and now I don't. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry. We're not going to be able to let you in. I said, but but, but my name, do you have my name on your list? They said, yeah, we have your name right here, but you can't go in without your license. You, 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 you may remember, you know, that we had a little event that happened here back in 2001. So we don't let folks come in without ID. Your name could be here, but if you, if you ain't got ID to prove that you're that person, you're not going to get past us. I said, oh, this is troublesome. So, and the reason why I was troublesome is because the other three couldn't do what they needed to do without me. And the company had flown people from around the world to meet for the next three days in that space. And I said, oh, this is really big stuff. <laughs> so I said, uh. 
So I said, oh, this is a security guard. I'm going to go up to the security guard and see what he can do. So he got the head of security. So he came by, he came down to meet me, and I saw him. It was a black man. I said, ooh, thank you. <laughs> he moving before I even asked him to move. I said, brother, you know, you got to speak to him. Brother, you know, what's up, you know. And so they got my name, but I just don't have my license. He's like, yeah, I just can't let you in. <laughs> he said, we don't even let cops in here without a license. I said, oh. <laughs> Finally, one of the women that were traveling there, she said, well, why don't we just call the contact that we have upstairs? His name is Jeffrey. We have his number on WhatsApp. We just contact him, ask him to come downstairs. After 45 minutes of standing out in the lobby of the World Trade Center, here comes Jeffrey downstairs to meet us for the first time physically. And all he does is go to the security desk and says, they're with me. We walk completely through. So he came down to take us up to a place I couldn't get you on my own. I tried my license, digital, that didn't work. Come on, somebody. I tried my sob story, that didn't get me in. I tried the black card, that didn't work, but how many know that if you know the man that knows your name, if you just know the right person, my mama told me a long time ago, it's not what you know, but it's who you know. Turned out Jeffrey was my way in. Jeffrey was my way up. And how many of y'all know this morning, I didn't come to preach about Jeffrey. I came to preach about Jesus. I found out that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. And I want to show you this morning how not only is he a way, but he is way exclusively to God. We've been hitting around it all series long, but in this particular passage is where he's directly declaring that there is no other access to the 42nd floor. The only way you're going to get there is through me. And I want to show you this morning not just how it's Jesus, but why it's only Jesus. And what does he mean when he says he's the truth and he is the life? And whether or not you came in this morning troubled or stressed this morning, even in that, it's not just about what he can do there, it's what he can do right here on the ground floor. And what he's able to do in your life this morning. I want to take you into the last I am statement of Jesus. John chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. I need you out of prayer with me so I can get all of this out so that we don't stay here until, I don't know, Monday. All right, that's what they say now. All right, John 14. <laughs> when he's done, he ain't done yet. All right. <laughs> John, Jesus says in John chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Mm -hmm. You believe in God. They've been believing in God since they were the Jewish people. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. You may have heard many mansions. It actually means many dwelling places. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, uh, we don't even know where you're going. <laughs> How can we know the way? Jesus explained, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really 
know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So here we are near the end. I told you last week, I think last week's message would have, would have been in, in this, if we're looking at where Easter falls this year, it would have been this week. This week is uh, the Last Supper. This is where we're at right now. This is Jesus having a discussion with his disciples after they've had the Last Supper. And if you remember the story, this is the night he's actually leaving. This is the night he's going to be betrayed. So he's having the supper with them. And prior to that, he's already had a little conversation, the chapter before, with Peter. And, you know, Peter was always one, I'll do, you know, I'm going to be the, I'm your rod and die. And Jesus said, listen, before tonight's over, you're going to deny me. He said, not once, not twice, but three times. And so he's already told Peter that. He's already been at the Last Supper and says, oh, he's serving the bread. He said, oh, by the way, one of y'all that's dipping your hands into this over here is one of y'all that's going to betray me. Judas has already rushed out of the room. Jesus has already said, go do it quickly. Ain't that something? When you can tell your enemy that's trying to set you up, go ahead. Do it. Matter of fact, do it quick. <laughs> And so, and Jesus has already told them that he's going away, that he's leaving. So let's, let's rehearse this, because you need to understand how it starts. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. They, they're troubled in heart because Jesus is leaving them. They're troubled in heart because one of them will deny him. They're troubled in heart because one of them will betray him. And they're troubled in heart because he says, and all of you will forsake me. And yet Jesus says to them, let not your heart be troubled. He doesn't give them a, you know, if you're in church a long time, a little while, you haven't seen it all. He doesn't give them a three-step a three step process, a three-step recipe to getting out of trouble. You know, if you spin around two times and open up the book of Genesis and read the third verse and, and then jump up and down, God going to move on your behalf, daughter. No, he didn't do that. He said, I'm not going to give you a recipe for a trouble situation or a troubled life or for trouble. He says, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to give you a three-step recipe. I'm going to give you a one-step relationship. Believe. He said, be not troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And we talked last week when he says believe, he's not saying fairy, fairy godmother. He's not saying tooth fairy. He's saying a relational Trust. As a matter of fact, I would argue with you this morning that the unbeliever, the atheist, agnostic, and the Christian, and the Muslim, and anybody else, everybody believes somebody relationally. And what I mean by that is, even the person who says, I don't believe and trust other people, they can say that because they believe and trust themselves. I can't trust nobody else. What they're saying is, I got me. I trust me. Everybody has relational trust. Everybody believes in something. Everybody believes on something. Forget fairy godmother. I'm talking about relational trust. So Jesus says, if you have relational trust in God, have relational trust also in me, because no matter what the trouble is that you're going through, I am the solution to your trouble. Yes, yes, and he's so big and bad, you thought that was a big deal to tell that, to tell to tell his enemy, oh, I know you're going to betray me. I already know what you didn't say. I already know what you're up to. Go do it quickly. But then you think that's bad? He says, uh, and he says, he tells his disciples, he says, don't be 
troubles, he says, because I go to prepare a place. See, that's powerful. Don't miss that. Don't sleep on that. He said, I go. He didn't say that they're taking me. He didn't say they come to come you. He said, I go. In other words, this is not a path that just happens to me. This is a path of my own choosing. I go to the cross. I go of my own accord. I've got a plan in the trouble. I've got a plan in the darkness. I've got a plan when you can't sleep. I've got a plan when it looks like everything is going south. God said, I've got a plan. I go to prepare a place for you. Nothing catches me by surprise. Nothing hits me off guard. Everything that happens in your life, I already know. I've got a plan. I see. I know. And I go to the cross because i got a plan before the foundations of the world. You know, when trouble comes, God is not sitting there saying, oh, whew. the Father ain't saying to his son, oh, son, I don't know how we're going to figure this out. And Jesus ain't saying to the Holy Spirit, oh, Holy Spirit, they done really got us this time. He said, before you knew you had a problem, I had the solution. He said, no man takes my life. I laid, I go to the cross. So no matter what your trouble is this morning, I need you to understand God is not taken by surprise. God is not caught off guard. And so Jesus says in verse 2, I go and prepare a place for you and I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. But this is where it gets tricky. Verse 4. He says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. He said, you know the way. Thomas says to him in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? You know, they're thinking naturally. It's like I'm saying, I'm getting ready to leave here. I'm getting ready to leave. And y'all like, I'm like, all right, y'all follow me there. Like, I don't even know where you're going. You haven't even told us yet where it is that you're actually going. So Thomas here is speaking not just for himself, but the context of this is, no, he's speaking on behalf of all of the disciples. And it's interesting because I got a prob- two problems with what Thomas says. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? The first thing I want to say is that Jesus never told them that they knew where. He said, you don't know the where, you know the way. I never told you I was telling you where. I never disclosed to you the where, but I did tell you that you know the way. Now, if we were going to the Georgia Capitol, if you know where it's at, just raise your hand because I'm trying to find something we all know. The rest of y'all don't know what the Capitol is? All right. We're going to assume that you do. Somebody from this location may choose to go down 124 and hit I-20. Does that make sense for somebody? Somebody from this location could go down Anastown Road right over here at the light and hit 78 and take a straight shot, really, down 78 and you can hit 285. There's many ways that we can get to the capital of Georgia when you know the destination. When you know the destination, you get to choose how you get there. But Jesus said, I didn't tell you the destination. 
I just told you the way to get to the destination. I never told you what the destination was. So that's my first problem I got with Thomas. He never told you the destination. He just told you the way to get there. The second problem I got with Thomas's question, and this is where we come in at. Thomas's question has an assumption in the middle of it. Lord, we don't know where you're going. So we don't know where you're going. We don't know how to get there. Because the assumption is, this is the assumption we make, and we all make this assumption. The assumption is that we have a goal at the end, the Georgia capital. The goal of the end, wherever Jesus is going, the goal at the end, and that once we know where the end is, the end goal, where Jesus is going, once we have it that way, we can work backwards to achieve it. Oh, y'all ain't getting this. There's a built-in assumption we're reading this from. There's a built-in assumption we live our lives from. The, the, the assumption is that once I know the end goal, I can then work backwards to get there. That once I know it's the Georgia Capitol, I can work backwards and say I'm going to take I-20. That once I know I want to buy a house, I work backwards and say I'm going to save up money. I'm going to get a real estate agent. I'm going to get my credit in order. I work to, then, to hit the goal. The assumption is that wherever Jesus is going, that once they know they can work backward to get there. But Jesus says salvation can't be worked for. Salvation can't be earned. Salvation can't be achieved. You can't work for salvation. You can't serve for salvation. You can't pray for salvation. He says you can't get those things. The only way in is me. It is not a goal that you go after. It is not an achievement that you say, oh, I see that and I'm going for that. It is not a higher state of consciousness that you achieve. But I found out in real life when I wanted to get on top of the Trade Center that the way there, the way there was not a path but a person. The way into the presence of God is not a path it is a person. When he's saying the way, he's not saying you know which street to take. He's not saying you know which route to take. He's not saying you know which road to take. He says you know the way because the way is a person. His name is Jesus. And then he says, I am. This is where he brings in I am. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I don't know. I told y'all when I got to the trade center, they, they, they're just not going to let you in because they had terrorism about 20 years ago. But I don't know how to tell you this morning, but sometime in the distant past, there was a little terrorism in heaven. Mm -hmm. And sometime in the distant past, somebody named Satan or Lucifer rose up and caused a rebellion. Sometime in the distant past, when God dwelt among men on the earth in the Garden of Eden, there was a rebellion. Sometime in the distant past, in the Garden of Eden, in the distant past, there was terrorism and the sin of man. And so what God says is, nobody's going to get into my presence except they come through my son. You don't need Jeffrey, you need Jesus. And when he says here that I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he's legit saying to you is, 
He is the ultimate fulfillment and the only way to the Father. And only by knowing him can you really know and experience ultimate meaning and fulfillment in this life and the life to come. That's a big statement, but he backs it up. This is the re- He can say that because, see, when he's saying I am, he's letting his audience know, he's letting his disciples know, and he's letting you know this morning. He's letting you know that as I am, I'm not just sitting here at this table with you right now. I am was there when I said let the heavens and earth create the heavens and earth. I am was there when he separated the darkness from the light and the light from the dark. He was the I am that was at the beginning with the Father. He's going to be the I am at the end when all things are consummated. The way isn't a path but a person. And that's challenging for us because what he's telling his disciples is you're not going to know. You've never been to this destination. You've never seen it before. You don't understand the where. And when it comes to us when we're on a journey, when we get ready to take a journey, we want to know the end of that journey before we go. How many of y'all I know? We want to know all the steps, all the turns. We want to know all the directions up front. What's the fastest route? What's the shortest route? What's the route with less, less traffic, less stoplights? What's the traffic conditions? And Jesus says, in this life, you won't always know the route. In this life, you won't always know the turns before you. He says, but one thing, he said, if you know me, I'm going to be with you and direct you through every turn. I'm going to be with you through the curves of life. When life hits you with a curve, I can lead you around that curve. I'm going to show you the way, and it's not just by this, but it's by believing and trusting in me that you'll understand and see. Because something in me wants to know the directions up front before I do something. And if it's going to work out up front before I do it, y'all ain't going to say nothing here. I want to know the end and before I take a step. Now he says, no, no, it's by believing and trusting in me. It's a daily download. It's a daily deposit. It's a daily word. It's a daily step by step. It's a daily I'm speaking into you to lead you and guide you on earth and then into eternity. It's daily trusting. That's why the scripture says we walk by faith and what? Not by sight. The disciples want to know the end result. Jesus said, no, no, just know me. If you know me, I'll take you to the end. If you know me, I'll get you there. If you know me, not only will I take you to the end, I'll be with you in the end. That means when you can't see your way. That means when life doesn't make sense. That means when you get one of those phone calls that we all hate getting, that he is your way in those moments when you can't see, when you don't know. He said, I am your way. When you've got more questions than you have answers, he is your way. Now he says, I am the truth, the way, the way, the truth, and the life. He is legit saying he is the one way to the Father, and it's through the Son. And he explains it this way. So if I was, there's two ways you can look at this after studying it, but I lean towards this way. You can look at it, he, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. He was saying three different things. Or you can look at it as this way. Jesus is the way, colon, the truth, and the life. That the truth and the life is explaining the way. I believe it's that one. Jesus is the way. Jesus, somebody shout, Jesus is the way. 
and so what he's saying is that Jesus as the way is the sole source of truth about the Father. In other words, if you want to get more truth about what the Father looks like, you can't get that from Britannica. You can't get that from Google. You can't get that from Plato. He said, you want to get truth about what the Father looks like? You can't get that by looking in the mirror. You can't get that by looking into the universe and, and thinking the universe. That, he said, the way that you get information and accurate truth about the Father, I am the truth. I am the only source of truth about the Father. He says, not only am I the truth, but I am the life. I am the life. He says, as the way he is the sole source of life, creator and sustainer of not some things, but all things. Now here's where contemporary culture meets this. Nobody in contemporary culture has a problem with Jesus being away. Nobody's problem with Jesus being away. Contemporary culture has a problem with Jesus being the only way, which puts Jesus in a very unique situation. Because I would argue with you, if he is not the way to God, then he was not a good moral teacher because he was lying to us. So either he is a liar and should be abandoned, or either you have to accept what he says. He doesn't give us much middle ground. I don't know if you caught that. He's not saying, oh, I'm the way if you choose. If you choose to think that, well, or if you say, well, he is the way for me. Well, no, he's not the way for me. If that works for you, he didn't, he didn't give us that option. He said, I'm not going to give you that option. He said, I'm going to let you, I'm going to make you make a firm decision. Either you understand that I am the only way. I don't care who likes it, doesn't like it, who, who, whatever. He said, I am the only way to the Father. If he is not the only way to the Father, then he could not be a good moral teacher. How many good moral teachers do you know that lie to you? So she does a great job of speaking for, for a lot of people today because, again, the idea behind what she's saying is if you live right, if you give, if you do all these wonderful things, that you'll get to the end results. Jesus said, you don't even know what the end result is. I've been there. I know where my father's house is. I came from my father's house. You don't even know where my father is. He says, so the way that you get there is not by what you do, because if salvation was something you could earn, Jesus would have never had to come. If salvation could be earned, Jesus would never have to be crucified. If salvation could be earned, Jesus would have never had to give his life. But because salvation can't be earned, because salvation can't be achieved, because salvation can't be something that you buy, salvation is not something that you make, salvation is something that's given by the Father, given through the Son, that by his shed blood, you might have eternal life. As a matter of fact, the author of Hebrews says it this way, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way into the most holy place. Because what we forgot is that no matter how good I do, it does not solve my terroristic threats. The sin against my heavenly father. It does not solve the list of the unrighteousness that I have for a holy God. How many of know that God is holy? How many of know heaven is a perfect place? How many know he's not letting unperfect, unholy people into heaven? If anyone can tell me how we become holy outside of God. That's why Jesus said it would take God himself to bring salvation. We can't achieve salvation on our own. 
It would only come through him. I think about, we started this series off with the Chilean miners. I think about they were trapped in the mine in Brazil. All those days, I think it was 40 days or something to that effect, 33 men trapped way underground, and they were facing a certain death. And finally, after several attempts, they finally got one of the boys to cut through, and the canal passes away for them to get out. Now, you know what I never heard one of them say? Anybody at the bottom say, oh, I ain't going out. That ain't the only way out. Mm-mm. I don't believe that's the way out. No, I'm going to stay here. No, I believe if I meditate, it'll get me out. Oh, oh. They do because they recognize if I stay here, I'm going to die. That there's one way to get me out of death. There's one way to get me out of the hell that I'm in. And I'm telling you this morning that Jesus did not declare he is a way. He is declaring to a lost and dying world that I am the way to get you out. I am the way that gets you out and the way that gets you in. See, because it was my death that opened up the way. It was my death that opened up the way into the most holy place. I'm just about done. Revelations 22 and 13. Because John is the author of both of those books. John wrote the Gospel of John, and John also wrote the book of Revelation. In Revelation, he records Jesus as saying a few I am's as well. And more than once in Revelation, he says, as he says in verse 13 of chapter 22, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. If it wasn't clear at the beginning and the end, they had a habit back then, the, the rabbis would do this, that they would use the first and the last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. To when they want to say the totality of something, that I am the totality of something, they would say, if, if it were English, they'd say, I'm the A and the Z. So what Jesus says here, he says, I am the Alpha, the first letter, and the Omega, the last letter of the alphabet. Meaning, I am the whole of it all. I am all of it. I'm encompassing all of it. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the totality of the law and the Gospels. He is, in the first verse of... Genesis, let us. God spoke and said, let there be. He was in the beginning, and he's in the last verse of Revelation. He is in all of salvation. Salvation, he's in from the beginning to the end. He's in justification. He's the totality of justification of man. We looked at, during this series, we looked at Jesus as divine. And the scripture let us know that he was the vine in the Old Testament. And he's a true vine in the New Testament now. And when he comes again, he's going to be the vine that produces the tree of life, healing for the nations. In the Old Testament, he was the man of the bread for Israel. In the New Testament, his bread was broken for you. His body was given. And when he comes again, he's going to be the hidden manna in Revelation. In the Old Testament, he was the Lord is our shepherd. And in the New Testament, he was a good shepherd. And when he comes again, and he's coming, the shepherd's going to be the one that causes the lion and the lamb to lie down together. He was a light that shined in Genesis chapter 1. He was a light in John chapter 1 that said that the darkness could not comprehend it. And he's going to be the light at the end which says it has no need for sun. He is 
Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is not our effort to get to heaven. He's heaven's effort to get to us. Every other religion is about what you can do to achieve salvation, what you can do to earn salvation, what you can do to position yourself for salvation. This is the only one that says God wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. And so because you couldn't get out of that hole you were in, because you couldn't get out of that cave you're in, I'm going to come down myself down the hole and bring you back up that where I am, you might be also. I am the way, the truth, and the life, the Alpha and Omega. He loves us so much. You serve a God who loves you so much that he became like you. For the, little, the ladies in here, when you were younger, if you played house or you played dolls or whatever, can you imagine loving your dolls so much that you became one of them? And then you let the other dolls persecute you? bully you, kick you out, crucify you just so that they could live. He became like us. Not for himself, but for you. For me. That at the end, when we see him, we'll be able to say you are the Alpha and Omega. It was all for you. It was all because of you. It's all through you that all things exist and have their being, and I'm one of them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Give God some praise. Yeah. Thank you. Amen. It's coming a day we're going to stand in the presence of God. Jesus made a decision. The Father made a decision. I'd rather die for you than to ever live without you. There's no greater plan of salvation than the one you can stand on your feet this morning that we didn't make up, but he made a choice to come. I go to the cross. Anybody glad for the cross this morning? Oh, I'm glad about it. Where's the praise team at? Y'all come on up. I'm glad about it this morning. I'm glad that I don't have to wonder. I don't have to wait and see. Am I on the right path? Because the same God that would be the way into glory then is the same God as that it is the way for me today. When I don't know which way to turn, he is that way. When I don't know which move to make, he is that way. He's knowable. He's knowable. Let me say it again. He's knowable. You can know him. You can be assured. I'm not waiting when I get there. Just find out if I made the right choice. I know right now. He's knowable this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you, oh God, that you have, became, you have become the way. When there was no way, you became the way that we can have life, that we can know the Father, that we can find forgiveness, that we can be justified in your sight. Thank you for this holy season we're about to enter into, oh God. Thank you that we can celebrate, Lord, on Palm Sunday that you are king of kings, God. Thank you, Lord God, that we can mourn with hope on Good Friday, Lord God, that though you would, that though you were crucified, that you would rise again on Resurrection Sunday morning for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that we will dwell with you and we will forever be with the Lord. 
Thank you for this morning. Thank you for salvation. Somebody just take a moment and thank God.